Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Yay! Hello, welcome back. Welcome to All the Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Krista Bontrager. Also known as Theology Mom. Okay, just because we were gone for a little while doesn't mean that she didn't switch around. She's still I'm Theology a lot Mom. of practice. Yes, still Theology Mom. All right, welcome. I cannot believe that this is our first show in 2021. And this is the show where we discuss everything, all the things. All re- the things. Related to God, the Bible, and... Real life. That's uh, so yes, We're going to yes. keep it all the way real tonight. Oh, y'all, we got some things to talk about tonight. You just wait. Don't be like trying to change the channel and, change, you know, change the channel on YouTube. Don't don't click off the stream. I'm just saying, don't do it. You're going to want to hear it all. All right. And helping us out on the show tonight, we still have, and we are grateful, Bob the Button Pusher Bontrager. Woo! There he is. He survived the Women in Apologetics Conference. Yes, he did. And the 40,000 breakout sessions. That was awesome. If you weren't at the Women in Apologetics Conference, I would say go and get the downloads, the replays, because it if was you, awesome. Yeah, if you're looking for even like small group content, I know a lot of people have left their churches. They're feeling like, I need instruction. I need fellowship. Get a Zoom group together. Show the WIA videos. Yeah. Have a conversation. Like, there's some some amazing content at the Women in Apologetics yes. Conference. Very little cost. And share with your friends. Yes, I'm all about that. And helping us in the chat room is the one and only Miss Laura Hartley and Allison Waldrop, who is also the one and only. And we have our wonderful and awesome Miss Alicia Moss. That's right. And Allison is also our production assistant who puts together the show notes every week because I am way too busy to do such things. Yes. Oh, Jeremy Webb is also in the chat. Jeremy, we need to talk about WandaVision, but I'm not going to say anything else. I've just been seeing your posts online. So go join us in the chat Uh, on YouTube is a great place, easy place to join in and uh, get together with others. But you can also chat with us on Facebook. Uh, We have three streams going at all the things. Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom. I was like, was there a, a break? No, it's just I a dramatic pause. I've been wor- I've been taking drama lessons over the break. Oh. Well, um, no, and we want to ask you to uh, support the show. Hit that share button. Hit the smash the thumbs up. Comment. Help us overcome shadow banning because, you know, we we don't like to do all this work and like five people see our content. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Let's see. What have we been up to? We've been off for a month. We have and six, six, seven weeks. Yeah. yeah, six, seven weeks. What have you been doing? Well, you know, working. Mm-hmm. There's the working thing. Uh, I did take a little bit of time off. I did take two weeks off for the holidays. Um, that was nice. Um, what else have I been up to? Uh, I wrote a three-part series on, uh, it's called One Nation Under God that I did in December and January. Makes me think of a song, but go ahead. Of course it does. The lyrics were One Nation Under a Groove, but I'm just going to leave that There's there. There's always a song. <laughs> always. <laughs> you know, you know. Okay, keep going. Um, so I did that live stream uh, so people could go check that out. It was kind of a look at the complicated relationship between nation, politics, and the Christian worldview. Tried to help navigate some practical questions. And in a way... 
tonight's show is almost like a part four of that series. It's just like the natural extinction. Yeah. yeah. So and it was so helpful. We got so much good feedback from that. So many people wrote in and said how helpful it was. Yeah. And we se- separate some things out. I hope it was help help people. I worked really hard on it to do one live stream. I figure it takes me about 20, at least 20 hours to write it, research it, put it together, write the script, rewrite the script. In that case, I wrote it three times for the last one. <laughs> there it is. So, um, there it is. And yeah, so what have you been up to? What did you accomplish? Well, I have an announcement at the end of the show when we, oh. when we get through so, some things. But aside from that, I sat and wrote the curriculum. Yeah. for CFBU, and you were a huge help with that. That's right. At the sure. Christmas show, when we last left our friends, we said you were going away yes. on a writing retreat. Went to, away. To write the small group curriculum mm-hmm. for Center for Biblical Unity. I was exhausted. I didn't write anything. That's kind of <laughs> rough. I went away, but I came back early. I went yeah. away for a week, and it was supposed to be three weeks. So I went away, slept a lot, because I was my body was realize, just exhausted. You didn't realize how exhausted you were. Yes, and then yeah. came home, and wrote, we wrote for a solid week, nine to five every day, nine to six, yeah. some days. And um, and then only took a lunch break and just really just, cranked it out. Yeah. I've written a few small group studies in my day. So yeah. <laughs> I was able to help. So you would sort of write it and then I would, I would write it more in story format. Yeah. And then I would come along and kind of turn it into a small group discussion type format. Mm-hmm. So it was good teamwork. It and was. Um, that was a productive week. And then also, um, are you going to make an announcement about who's doing the forward or are we saving that? Oh, wow. Why are you putting me out there like oh, that? Yeah, we can save it. We can save it. We're you just... know. All right. Well, well someone, let's... I will just say someone very near and dear has agreed to write the forward. And the, the it's rem- a big name, people. The remarks big name. on the forward. Uh, we should just say it now. <laughs> okay. So... Uncle Dr. J.P. Moreland himself Ooh. has written the foreword for the study, yeah. and I cannot believe it. I sent it off to him. I asked him, and he said, yeah, he would consider it. And, you know, I asked him for feedback. Like, please don't lie to me. If it's a mess, just tell me. And so <laughs> he responded and just gave such high praise for it and then wrote the most awesome foreword for the study I'm like completely blown away. And yeah, he is um he he has a special title, distinguished, that's what it is. He's the distinguished professor of philosophy at Biola University. And I've had, gosh, a few conversations with him now yeah. about different things, one of which we'll talk about later, but just a really dear man and Concerned. He wrote it a great forward. Yeah. 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 I could Very not heartfelt. believe it. Yes. Yeah. I was like, me? You talking about little old me? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're looking forward. So when can people expect the curriculum? Okay. So here's the deal, folks. We are looking at June 18th. We we had it earlier in June, but then we realized one of the people in the house graduates on that day. <laughs> so That's we had to go work. ahead and push that back. Um, family first. So we are looking at June 18th, 19th, that weekend. Um, There's some time so, for 
Juneteenth. Yeah, so, yes. Um, so be praying for us, please, so that we can, you know, make sure all of the pieces, the, the deliverables get in, that things are turned around in time, that there are no hiccups, because otherwise we would need to push it back. But yeah. that's the hope. We're, yeah. we're, with God willing, that's when it's going to drop. Yes. Is that weekend. So that's the plan. Another big announcement of what we're up to right now. Yes. Is Maybe I missed it. It's in the cue sheets. The Christmas show? No. Oh, the tw- <laughs> Sorry. Y'all, I'm rusty. I haven't been on in a while. Um, 2021 Up Conference. Okay. Yes. You guys, if y'all didn't come to last year's Up Conference, you definitely want to come to this year's Up Conference. Now, Up stands for Uniting People, and that is the Center for Biblical Unities annual conference you want to come it's going to be all online virtual we're going to have some breakout speakers we're going to have keynote sessions so last year we you were, don't want to miss it we were five minutes old we oh we weren't even five minutes <laughs> wet behind the ears yes and we had our little mini conference mm-hmm. I, it was sort of i think like a i look at it as like a ministry kickoff conference and it was amazing how people came together you could still buy those talks i gave a talk on racial unity Thaddeus gave a talk um, on social justice versus biblical justice. And Monique kind of gave a talk on the, I guess I could characterize it as sort of the ministry vision. It was sort of a vision casting Mm -hmm. talk. And then we did some Q and A's. So you can still check that out if you're new to the ministry and go purchase those, those videos. So what is the theme for this year's conference? Justice. All right. Last year was unity. This yeah. year it is justice. justice. Yes. It is going to be all about justice. And how do we as believers execute justice? What does it look like? So it's going to be a very, we should tell people. Very practical. practical. This is content, most of which we've never presented before. Um, the We're going to get breakout speakers. It's going to be really like, how do we live out justice in a no. practical way? Building the framework and then providing some practicals. You had a very good term for it. You know how we have social justice warriors and things like that. We are going to have justice entrepreneurs. We are going to have people who are going to be vested and invested in doing justice within their community. And what does that look like? We want to make sure that we equip and empower people to be able to do justice biblically. You know, justice is a thing and it's needed in many, many communities. But we need to do that from a very biblical position, not from a cultural position or a worldly position that says you should be advocating for this. This is really justice. If you don't know what the definition of justice is and how it um, plays itself out, then definitely make sure that you come to the UP conference. Yeah, it's going to be good. So we'll be announcing dates for all of these things. 2021 is going to be another big year for us. We launched Facebook groups last month. So if you are a public school educator who's currently active, if you are um, an interracial, interethnic family or a family with transracial adoption, we have a group for you. We have a group if you are a parent of a child who has fallen into critical race theory ideology and has um, potentially deconstructed away from their faith. We have three Facebook groups set up. They're support groups. So you're going to find other people that are in the same journey, the same season of life. You guys can pray for each other. You can post 
resources that you found that have been helpful to you. You can um, ask for, you know, just give each other words of encouragement. It is a support group. It's not a therapy group. Um, it's not an education group, although there will be educational components in the group as resources are um, put in there. We've vetted a team of yep. moderators that we are super excited and um, they are doing a great job, but we still need more moderators. There's our parent group is um, looking for more moderators. So if you have a child of, of a, a, an adult child who has fallen into critical race theory ideology and has deconstructed from the faith. Or even a teen. Or a teen, like, you know. yeah. Um, and and the Lord puts it on your heart to maybe be a moderator. Go ahead and apply. You can go to centerforbiblicalunity.com slash volunteers and fill out an application. Yes. So, now, you know what else we did? What did year? we do? We did more book groups. We did. We have three book groups going currently. Yep. We have Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, written by Thaddeus Williams. We have... And our leader for that is our friend, Jamal Bandy. Yes. And then we have the third option, yep. which is being led by Karis Miles. And then we have... And that, that one is written by Miles McPherson. And then we have Beyond Racial Gridlock, written by George Yancey, which is being led by Melissa Palou. Yeah. Yes. So we are so excited about all the people that we are finding to build up as leaders and partners and bringing them on. And, you know, so it, it helps to um, spread the the load as we walk together. But we really are trying to build a culture of family mm -hmm. at the Center for Biblical Unity. So that is a lot of fun. We have more book groups coming. We'll be announcing those in a few weeks. Uh, if you haven't yet done so, Go sign up for our mailing list. Yes. Um, it's very, very important that you sign up for our mailing list. You can go to centerforbiblicalunity.com. Just wait one second. A little box will pop up and you can sign up. That way, no matter what happens to us on social media, you will stay connected with us. Yes. Sounds good. Sorry, I'm just looking through my cue sheets so I can know where to go next. All right. You guys, I'm still the same person. I've been gone a month. <laughs> still the same. I got the conference material today. Just Ooh. listen to your session, Krista. Knocked it out of the park. Wish you could give that message on justice in every church in America. Sure, I'm up Go for that. Ahead. I'm up Go for ahead that. Then. <laughs> yes, there were people in the comments talking about we needed to fan you. So yeah, like, yes. share it. You know, uh, put a small group together, um, discuss things, get on a Zoom call if you live in a limited state where you can't do in-person things. Um, you know, be creative. Be an entrepreneur. Think about what you can do. I love it that um, our friend Laura Hartley, she did a little um, Bible study last fall uh, just for some some women that she knew, just starting out small. And now she's doing something a little bit bigger this time around, but just take it in that step of faith. So many people right now are hurting. They're lonely. Many of them have left their churches. They need good material and they need fellowship. So I want to encourage everyone um be creative step take yeah. a, take a step of faith so all right okay you ready to jump in yeah let's, let's jump in yeah let's do it all right so a lot has happened a like, lot a lot has happened since just january started well since our christmas party mid 
December. Yeah, it's yeah. been crazy. It, it's been crazy. Yeah. And I think one of the most helpful things that have happened has been, for our viewers anyway, or for me watching it, was your One Nation Under God um, trio yeah. series. Because we're, we're encountering things like, like HR trainings that are DEI, mm-hmm. so diversity, equity, and inclusion, which many times, I'm not, I'm not going to say I haven't been to every diversity, equity, and inclusion training, so that I don't know, but many times we receive reports that the HR trainings are filled with things like critical theory. There's been accelerated incidents, I would say, I would say accelerated incidents of racism or um, racially embedded issues since, I would, since January. I think we've had a lot of political issues since January, since the the Christmas party. We're getting Um, more more and more letters from educators about um, what I've been calling for months. I've been calling them, you know, I've been telling people, woke statements are coming. Your employer is going to try to make you sign um, anti-racism statements that you're an ally, you're going to have to go through anti-racism HR trainings. And we're seeing that play out, especially for our, our educators. Yes. And I think, I don't, I don't know necessarily if California is leading the way, but I have heard from educators here in California specifically of while it, it's not a requirement yet, it is very, um, it's being very pushed on people. Like you need to sign this woke statement. You need to sign this statement that you are, you know, against racism and that you are truly an ally of our black brothers and sisters. Yeah. And so not a requirement, but it is definitely a push and a recommendation. Yeah. And they're getting more and more embedded. Um, there's a lot of teachers in our educators Facebook group as I lurk on there that they're being given more and more trainings, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings being expected to. One teacher this week said that in the training, she was supposed to write in the chat box during the training what her stand for anti-racism would be in her class and you know what allyship she was going mm. to declare. So it is, it's getting hard out there. Now, one of the books that you recommended at our, I think it was at our Christmas show, for people to read was Live Not By Lies yes. by Rod, Rod Dreher. Mm-hmm. And he's an Orthodox uh, Christian and has a lot of thoughts about parallels that he sees between <clears throat> life in the USSR as Christians and what we could potentially be facing with what he calls soft totalitarianism. Yeah, um, I've watched a few interviews with him. I haven't read the book, but... Um, I love the book. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, you, you're, you have all of my thoughts. That might be one of our next books at our book clubs. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. So uh, stay tuned for that. So um, one of the things that I talked about in our, in the series that I did one nation under God was understanding the difference between civil obedience and civil disobedience. And when is appropriate to to do one or the other so maybe we could maybe we should start off the conversation talking about that a little bit about yeah. you know obeying the government mm-hmm. like that's a big scriptural principle romans 13 first peter chapter 2 uh there's other places but the 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 large assumption in the new testament church is that we submit to authority because all authority is under god that that we are um, recognizing that all authority has been given to Jesus and he is now ruling and reigning. Yes. So 
there's been a lot of conversation in the last year, Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13, obey the government, obey the government. But I think we need to start having a conversation about civil disobedience. Because there are times that we see in scripture, and I would say more in the Old Testament though, but there there are transcultural principles that we can see in the New Testament where civil disobedience is actually a thing. Yeah, so a couple examples that come to my mind right away is the Hebrew midwives in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They were they were told by the government, if you will, by Pharaoh to kill the newborn baby boys. Mm-hmm. But they disobeyed that command. They were like, mm, can't do that. Um, I'm thinking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in our family devotions. We just finished recently the book of Daniel. Yes. And that was one of the stories that really stood out, I think, for all of us, is that civil disobedience thread in that book. You know, um, Daniel still prayed in front of his window, even though he wasn't supposed to. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't doubt, bow down to the statue. Mm-hmm. Civil disobedience. Yes. Um, a New Testament example I can think of is Peter and John uh, early in the book of Acts. They heal the the lame man at the temple and they get arrested by the temple police They and they get flogged and they're like, stop teaching in this name. Stop teaching in the name of Jesus. Stop what we would call evangelizing people. Mm-hmm. And they said, sorry, you can do. Yeah. We will continue to teach in this name. Because there is a level and uh, yeah, a, a ranking of authority. Yeah. And while we do submit ourselves to government, we are first submitted to the authority of the kingdom. Yeah. So this brings us to the principle that we want to kind of think about here is what is that? How do we know when it's time to engage in civil disobedience? And what I said on my on my uh, live stream, and I'd love to get your input on this, is that when the government tells us to do something that we as Christians are commanded not to do, that's when we have to disobey. Or second principle, when the government tells us to stop doing something that the Bible tells us that we must do. Mm-hmm. So like an example of the Hebrew midwives, that would have been a violation of God's command against murder. Yes. So they said, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Um, the Jewish leaders told Peter and John, stop preaching in that name. But Jesus says, go into the, all the earth, preach the gospel. They said, sorry. can't do that. So that's how you know when it's time to start engaging in civil disobedience. So now we have to start, I think, having those conversations as Christians about, okay, how do we start to apply that to our our current cultural moment? Yes. And I think depending on where you are and, you know, what what circles you're interacting with, it'll look different for different people um, until things are, or unless things are, I won't say until, unless things are enacted like nationally. Yeah. So we're going to need some help, I think, from some pastors. Yeah. Some leaders to start having these conversations and sermons. And I think judging by what I'm seeing in our, in our Facebook groups, and I'm just going to give a plea straight out to pastors, like we need you. Mm-hmm. We we need you to start doing some sermons on 
equipping your people on when to know it's okay to engage in civil disobedience. Like they need, they need help from what we're seeing in the letters that we're receiving and what we're seeing in, on our Facebook groups. Um, people, Christians are struggling and this is a big question that is on their minds. And so I'm asking you pastors, please, um, please start preaching on this. Please start helping your people know when to engage in civil disobedience. So, yes. And that's, that's one of the things idea. that I'll talk about later is courage. I think yeah. we need more conversation about boldness and courage in yeah. the body. Yeah. But I don't want to jump too far all right, ahead. All right. We'll all right. talk about Monique's, some of Monique's steps and what she's doing. All right. So, okay. So someone's asking about what do we mean by civil disobedience? And I, I thought we... I thought we offered a definition of that, but but I'll go ahead and jump in again. So it's it's when do we know when to disobey the government? When do we know when to disobey the law or a cultural practice? Sometimes there's just pressure mm -hmm. from our HR department, um, you know, and our job feels at stake. So that would be civil disobedience. So Zach has a, a good question. Okay. And then we'll get over to Facebook later on into urgency a minute. Um, Zach says, what if the government prohibits you from doing something that Bible doesn't, that the Bible doesn't command? Like if the government mandates families are only allowed to have one child, the Bible doesn't command, um, have more than one child. I, I guess it, it would it depend on how you interpret, um, like to me that Zach, I don't know if Yente or Zach is actually asking that question, but um, I think it's Zach. For me, I think I would have to wrestle through like the creation mandate of multiply That's and fill exactly the earth. That's exactly what I was going to say. That is like a foundational mandate. It's not a command in the Mosaic law, but it's a creation command. Mm -hmm. And I would have struggles with a government that tells us that we must only have one child. Because what what I think about is then taking it a step further. So what if I become pregnant with child number two? Yeah. If it is against the law for me to have more than one child, what must I do with baby number two? And bringing it back to the Hebrew midwives, I mean, they could have rationalized and said, well, the, the government hasn't told us to kill the girl children, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you know, when you start talking about kids, God seems to have some some thoughts about that. So yeah. I don't know. That would that would be a, a it's a good question. I haven't reflected too much on it, but that's immediately what comes to my mind. I don't know. I was with you on the the creation mandate of mm -hmm. be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Like I don't. I, yeah. And it could be just a, a thing where I am perhaps interpreting it in a different way. But when I think of be fruitful and multiply, I think of like fruitful, you know, more than one, um, you know, or or just making sure that we are procreating. And then my mind, like I said, goes to that next point. But what if I do become pregnant? Yeah. And yeah. Then what happens? Then what happens? Am you I going to be forced into to, abortions? Yeah. Yeah. What is the punishment for that? Because there truly is no punishment for following the command of God to be fruitful and multiply. And I, I might argue, too, that if I understand, you know, like in my series uh, on looking at it from a sphere sovereignty standpoint, the government doesn't have sovereignty over my body in mm -hmm. that way. The government, that's an individual and a family 
sphere of authority. That would definitely be some overreach. And so I would call that, yeah, government overreach. Yeah. So, okay. So we have a list. We do. Of like, what now? Like if, if, if we consider this like a borderline time of soft totalitarianism or Or drifting toward that, that, um, what, what can Christians do? What should we be doing? And so we've put together a list of eight things and it's really to help us look at some of the big picture things. And don't think of these as like, this is God's word for you. These are like our ideas as we're sitting there on our walks every day, having the conversation. Okay. What now? Because we're getting a lot of letters to that effect. So this is our attempt to, Start a conversation. We want to encourage you to have a conversation with your husband, your wife, your pastor, the people in authority in your life mm-hmm. um, of what's going to work. But we're just trying to brainstorm and to think about kind of the big picture. And to me, the big picture behind all of these these kind of tips that we're going to share is the importance of building Christian culture. Yeah. Um, I think that my mind has kind of changed on this, this issue. I've always um, been a person that has kind of advocated a position that Christians should be a transformational agent of culture. We should be embedded in culture and we should be um, out there. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was very subtle. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was just trying so hard. (laughs) When the sneeze is going to come, it's going to come. All right. So uh, I think that the important thing here is is just thinking about what is the al- alternative, because now we're in a situation where having a historic Christian framework and worldview is putting us kind of at the margins mm-hmm. of, of our culture. Mm-hmm. And so now I feel like it's a different conversation. It's not just a conversation of well, how do I act as an agent of change? Although I think we should do that. I'm starting to think that there needs to be a different strategy for how to do that. And we need to build a robust Christian culture. I don't know what to call it. Um, different new systems. I, it's almost like um, I heard somebody refer to it today as it's almost like we need like the underground railroad of, you know, like just building like an alternative system and who are the people that we know that we know are going to think like us and partner with us. I don't know what to call it. I wonder why we have to consider it alternative. Shouldn't this be what we've been, what we should have been doing? Like, (laughs) can we call it the let's get back to right? Like, I don't know. To me, I feel like from my walk out of CRT, I really had to think about how did the historic church do a lot of these things? How did they think about a lot of these issues? You know, is what is there any transcultural principle that I can pull to be able to think about how to live out life? Yeah. But Christian has been around for a long time. What where did we go adrift? I feel like we we really getting back to things. But I think American Christians, we really want to be liked. We really want to be liked by the culture. I think that's a big issue right now. There's a lot of Christians who like, they won't say stuff. We get a lot of letters to this effect. That is true. Of like, well, how do I say this really hard controversial thing that totally goes against my employer and the culture, but not cause any rift, not cause any. Cause I still want to be liked. Yeah. Cause I still want to be liked, And that I think we have not everybody, but I, I wonder if we have this 
little bit of this idolatry in our hearts of, of wanting to be liked. We want people to say that we're good people. And it's, well, I have a thing with that good people. You know, I think it's, I think that's a, I wonder if that's a latent desire under the surface for for some of us. So let's get into this. All right. Number one. So number one, step number one, or not, I don't think they're steps, but just ideas. Yeah. Of like, what now? What do we do? How do I've read live not by lies. Here's some ideas. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, how do I stand up? How do I start building robust Christian culture? Number one is dads, especially I'm speaking to you catechize your children, mm-hmm. <laughs> teach your children, moms and dads. Yes. Um, and that might mean that you have to teach yourself first, but we need to stop relying on Sunday school. Yes. We need to be proactive about teaching our children. Get the faith. in your kids Sunday school curriculum and understand <laughs> what they're teaching. Because some of these pre-bought Sunday school curriculums are really just teaching secular humanism and teaching your kid to be good and not necessarily teaching your child what it means to be a Christian and how to live in righteousness. So I would say, and I'm not going to name no names on curriculum, but there are some curriculums out there that are big and many, many, many churches across the nation use them. And it's really just teaching a secular humanist framework. So be doing daily Bible readings with your kids. Um, You know, think about alternative educational activities that you can do related to the faith, but catechize your children. And if you need help, you're realizing like, wow, I'm not even 100% sure what I believe enough that I could teach my kids. I'm going to give you a free resource right now. You can go to biblicaltraining.org. Oh, it's good. And Mm -hmm. you can get basically an entire graduate level education for free yes at biblicaltraining.org from the top scholars from like if you were going to seminary when i went to seminary 20 25 years ago like prior to all this woke stuff coming into seminaries this is what you're going to get and you can go there you can set up a free account and you can see the classes that you're getting it's pretty amazing biblicaltraining.org org go there set up your account and as you're commuting every day start listening to some lectures you can listen to prolegomena yeah (laughs) you can listen to theology classes (laughs) um classes on new testament old testament um doctrine doctrine of sin doctrine of evil yeah yeah Um, apologetics mm -hmm. advanced apologetics my favorite apologist ron nash is on there you can even earn a certificate of completion, um, but go to biblicaltraining.org. And that is a trusted source of where you're going to find sound doctrine. So if you find yourself like, I can't catechize my kids. I don't really, I struggle. I would struggle to explain these issues to my children. Start equipping yourself. Yes. So there is a free resource for you. On the discipleship side, our friends at Maven oh, sorry. are having I a have... conference. That was your cue. <laughs> okay. I still haven't changed, folks. All right. So, look, if you are working with kids, if you have kids, Maven, um, Maven's, the Maven ministry is Brett Kunkel's ministry. And it um, and really, his wife. Brett and Aaron Kunkel. Yeah. 
they have an amazing ministry reaching out to people who actually work with kids and teens and young adults. And they're having a conference the last weekend in February. I believe it's the 26th and 27th. It's here in Southern California. Their website is maventruth.com. Now, this conference is in person, but I talked to Brett today and he said you that- You did. You got him on the quick dial. You know, I got I got connections. I know people. I got <laughs> folks, okay? So he is looking at an online resource where this can be live streamed. But I mean, there's going to be top speakers there. Brett's going to speak. I believe Aaron's going to speak. Jay Warner Wallace is going to speak. Our friend Elizabeth, Elis- Ur- Elizabeth Urbanovitz? No. I don't oh. think Elizabeth. Alisa Childers is going to oh, speak. Okay. Thaddeus Williams is going to speak. I believe Jonathan Morrow from Impact 360 might oh, be great. speaking. But there's a there's quite a few speakers. And, Lots of friends. Yes. So get in there. They're going to be answering a lot of questions and talking to you about how you can answer tough questions with your kids. Because at the end of the day, it's you who are going to be walking that road with your child to answer some of these really difficult questions. And I think this brings us back to the question about sphere sovereignty, Mm -hmm. that one of the things that God has made parents an authority over is the instruction of their kids. That falls in the sphere of responsibility of the parents. So, you know, be proactive. We're going to have a conference in partnership with Women in Apologetics, or I am, with Theology Mom and Women in Apologetics. We're partnering with a new friend that I am so excited to um, introduce to everybody very soon. I hope y'all let me come. And <laughs> Jeremy Bannister. I just want to be a fly on the wall in your world. But we are going to do a discipleship training conference for parents. We are going to give you a blueprint and a strategy for discipling your kids. Um, it's it's a, a blueprint that a pastor in New Mexico has been implementing in his church for the last decade or so, and it has fundamentally changed and transformed his church. And it is a tried and true kind of method of doing it. And I am really excited to introduce Jeremy to people. He He's going to have some some real talk with you parents. You should have him come on the show. Yeah, we That'd should. be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's going to be coming. It's probably going to be an in-person conference. I'll be announcing more details soon. But these are some some resources to help you in your the education of your kids. Please let me be a fly on the wall in your conference. Yes. Now, the next thing that we're doing to really help empower parents is I'm going to have a conversation on the 25th of February. It's going to be a live stream for parents of younger kids. So if your kid is like between five and nine, 10, right before they hit those tween years, we're going to talk about how to talk to your kids about critical race theory. And we don't need all the big tenets, what is like the the white, black binary or things like that. But what are some of the concepts that they might be seeing in like on TV or on some of their, their Disney shows? Or, you know, if, if they're... Mm-mm-mm. if their teacher reads them a book that may be woke. So I was scrolling through YouTube trying to look for a resource the other day oh. and I found a 
kindergarten teacher, she was doing, it's an online little class for kids through, through YouTube. And she reads the woke, like they have a woke reading time. And it's, you can tell it's for kids that are probably three, maybe four to about six. And she teaches them their pronouns and she has other videos. Woke preschool. It's called Woke Preschool. Yes. Oh, I, do. I, was I actually, just making I actually that up. believe that it is called Woke Preschool. I should look at what it's called. It's um, Woke oh. Read Aloud. Not Woke Preschool. It's called Woke Pre- Woke Read Aloud. And this one is They, She, He. Easy as ABC. And it tells kids how they can choose a pronoun. Because some days you wake up and you really feel like a boy, even if you're a girl. And some days you don't feel like either. And so they can call you they. And so she's doing like all of these things. These are things that your child in school may start to be um, indoctrinated into. That's I'm just going to use that word introduced. Yes, but indoctrinated is a better word. And so how do we begin to answer some of our kids questions or um, teach them how to think biblically about these things? Where is their worldview in concerning these things? I'm going to be joined by um, or you could be called a tree. Or you could be called a tree if you go to Union Seminary. Um, that's wrong. That's too soon. I know. Too soon. I'm sorry. Um, All right. So you and I'm Elizabeth gonna are going to be talking. by about... Elizabeth right. Abanowitz. So flash that. Let's flash that uh, graphic. February up. 25th. I actually think that it is. Um, no. I actually think that we're moving it to 5 p.m. Oh, okay. But yeah, we're gonna, because she's so, on the East Coast, we want to be able to give as much time as possible. It's normally during our Thursday family meeting. So it'll be a special edition of the family meeting. So there we go. We're resourcing you. So number one, please catechize your children. If you don't know what the word catechize means, just means disciple. Teach. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Number two. Start working out a plan to get out of debt. Look, Laura Hartley about to shout. I can (laughs) see it. So the big picture here of a lot of the tips that we're going to be giving is talking about freedom and independence is if as we're building our own culture, we want to have as much freedom as possible. Yeah. And debt, it, it, we nobody wants to be a slave to debt. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't yet gotten a plan for getting out of debt, start working a plan. Get with a financial peace person in your church, in your neighborhood, go on the site, get a budget. You can go on our previous broadcast where we interviewed uh, Laura Hartley, our friend, who's a longtime Financial Peace University advocate and a group leader in her, in her local church, get a plan, work, yes, the plan. work the plan. You're a success story for Laura of getting out of debt. You know, I try. I try. <laughs> Laura, I'm so thankful for for the principles. You know, money isn't bad. You know, like, I think that it's actually a good thing for us to be prepared. And so that is part of being being prepared, resourceful, responsible yeah. individuals. I mean, resources, money, working are all deeply biblical principles mm-hmm. that we need to be discipling our kids about. And if if we aren't walking in them yet, we need to start walking in them yes. by example. So get a plan together for how you are going to honor God with your money getting out of debt and living within your means because um, that brings us to number three. I want to answer Lori's question yeah. really quick before it goes down. Um, Lori Jorgensen said, do we need to sign up? If you're referring to the 
um, to my live stream that I'm going to do with Elizabeth. No, you don't. They'll, it'll just be posted and you can go on Facebook during the time and you'll see the live stream there. Yeah. If you're referring to the Maven conference that's happening in Southern California, you can go to maventruth.com. I believe it's .com. And um, find out the information for registration. And if you are not in California and you really want to to like attend their conference, keep checking back at the website because Brett did say that they are definitely working on on having an online piece. Like a live stream yeah. or something. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, number three. You need to, in your, this is a thought, but I think this is a really important thought to consider for a lot of families is develop multiple streams of revenue. Yes. Now, there's a reason for this. Because if your family needs to engage in civil disobedience, let's say you have a member of the family that is being forced to sign a woke statement or is an educator and is being forced to embed anti-racism into their classroom and they say, you know what, I'm just not doing that. And they get fired. Having a multiple, having a family with multiple streams of income Mm -hmm. will help you navigate those choppy waters of Times of transition. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. So I agree. Start a small business. Start a small. Even start a side hustle. Yes. Start a business. Think about something you can do to um, work on creating more revenue, and maybe that that means you know that in the past um, certain people in the family didn't work, but maybe thinking about side hustles, other jobs, you know what you can do. To create multiple streams of revenue. Or, um, and I know Laura Harley will find this as a testimony. You know, maybe it's cutting back on some of the things that you currently think you can spend so much money on. You know, like you go out to eat, you know, three times a week. Or in my case, I bought a lot of lotion. I love lotion. Cannot be ashy. (laughs) But now, now I don't do that. And it's almost, it's not like enough to be another stream of income, but I definitely have more to put aside in savings. Yeah. So think about that. Ask the Lord for some ideas. If you feel like, yeah, I need to get another stream of revenue going because I can kind of see looking into the future where my job is going, HR trainings. I think there's a definite possibility in my line of work. I might not have, I might not be able to comply with some of the things they could be asking me to do. Start thinking now Mm -hmm of how you're going to build in success. Get out of debt, get a side hustle, you know, do what you have to do. If you have a business where you do one thing and it's very public, what are you going to do if you get canceled? If it, you know, like some of these from a few years ago, I think like the original people that have been going through this is a lot of these baker stories, wedding photographers. They were engaging in a form of civil disobedience of saying, I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to cooperate with this. And so what are you going to do if your business gets canceled and and the mob comes after you? Well, if you have other streams of revenue, hopefully that won't be as catastrophic. But my goodness, when the mob come for your brother, can the Christians stand up we're together? Getting to, we're getting to that. I'm just, oh, sorry. We're getting to I'm, that. I might be jumping the gun, but I mean, I'm tired of my older bakery got, got canceled. Go buy a cupcake. Sorry, let me stop. We're getting to that. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Number four. Disconnect from big tech if you can. If you can. Oh, this one is rough for me. This, this, that's, this, this one is where it hurts. Yeah. Yes. But let's let's just keep it all the way real. Like they're selling our data mm-hmm. and they hate us. 
That that could be true. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you're not lying. You know, they 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 don't like, you know, that they're we we know now that they're up for suspending and even deleting um points of view that they decide that they don't like. And the question of whether or not are they a private company, are they more of like the telephone company and their public utility? You know, the courts are going to have to sort that out. The government will have to sort that out. But in the meantime, we have to be circumspect about the data that we're sharing, the data they're collecting on us, our movements, our kids' pictures, facial recognition, artificial intelligence is out there now. There were a few people who were who were arrested after the Capitol event. And this is not a commentary about the Capitol event itself, but just the fact that the law enforcement used pictures from social media accounts and then used artificial intelligence to and facial recognition to figure out who those people were at the Capitol event. So we have to know of what we're doing. Yeah, and no, I hear so you. And Alyssa, you're giving me the look. Well, Alyssa, I, I struggle with this idea because I think that social media helps helps us stay connected. I don't think that you're lying and that it's, you know, that they're not selling our stuff or anything like that. I just personally struggle. And this is where I am. I'm just going to be honest with it. Alyssa said, um, disconnect. Then we won't be able to hear um, listening to you. All right. That, that, I'm we're, like, that's, we're, we're getting to yes. that. We're getting to that. No. Okay. Yes. So Laura says that she got an alert. To, Jay got an alert tonight from YouTube, uh, a notification that they were over, we were overusing them on our network tonight. Overusing them? I don't know what that means. Like you're using too much bandwidth on YouTube? Because you're streaming our show. Yes. All right. Sherry Hall on Facebook says, every time you like, or every time you take a quiz to find out what princess you are, they get more data. <laughs> I take offense to that. I like those little princess I, quizzes. I think they send that data right to the CIA. Yeah, the <laughs> That's FBI. true. It is true. Yeah. All right. So how will you communicate with people? Look on my sheet. That was the very next question. How will I communicate with people then if I disconnect from big tech? Well, I think that we're going to have to think about other ways. And some of them are going to be a little bit painful in the beginning. Um, but for a social media alternative, I'm exploring Gab. I really like Gab. It's owned by a Christian guy. And he five years ago got canceled by big tech and he's been building his own network, like everything from the servers up um, so that he is as independent from big tech as he possibly can. I've been on Gab a few weeks now. I actually really like it. It's it's um, a lot more peaceful than other social media platforms. People are finding it. You know, it's not as big as Facebook or Twitter but I like it that they're not going to sell my information. They're not tracking my movements. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the guy's philosophy on there um, of really trying to build kind of an alternative um, based on Christian principles, I kind of like it. So I know it has a horrible reputation right now as being a home for a bunch of white supremacists. I haven't seen that on Gab you can go make up your own mind and see, you know, people have to make yeah. up their own mind. But but um, I like I, I've liked that so far. You might have to think about doing things like getting a P.O. box or writing people letters um, for get connected with your favorite ministries. Make sure you're subscribed to their email lists. Yeah, you um, send out an email every week on Sundays. Yeah. 
So make sure you're hooked up to all your favorite ministries. So if you do disconnect from them, you're still going to receive those updates and you're still going to be communicating with them. I'm hoping that Gab is going to get a live streaming soon, video live streaming. So we might, you know, try to change over to a different platform so we can disconnect from big tech. So one of our goals as a ministry this year is to figure out some ways to um, do some things so that we are disconnecting from big tech. So, you know, we're still in Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, but we're trying to figure out a plan for, you know, what we do because we, we're not going to change our messaging, Mm-mm. you know? So, and we know that one day we could wake up and get locked out. Yeah. So we're like, okay, but it's what it is. yeah, get subscribed to all your favorite ministries. Okay. Number five, consider spending your money locally and to Christian owned businesses. Yes. I've been, I've been saying this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to your cupcake example, like if somebody in your church gets canceled on their business, everyone in the church should flood them. Flood them. <laughs> Cancel. I'm like, we how are we letting people get canceled, you guys? We can we can really be strong together. And what I see though a lot of times is that people kind of sit back and they say, "Oh, that's so sad, brother so and so got canceled." Yeah. You know, God, I hope they don't come for me. No. No, we we can use our voice, our vote, and our dollar and actually be bold in those things and take that money from more secular companies that, you know, are definitely open that they are against Christianity and use that money to support a business that is glorifying God. Yeah. So, and think about like how, if you you have so many dollars, you know, what could you do to spend locally um in the pandemic at least in California like Big box companies have really benefited from the pandemic. Small businesses have suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, our family business has has suffered. Really, has suffered. Yeah. And, um, you know, we need small businesses. That's a backbone of our economy. So think about, you know, mobilizing your church to know who are the small business owners that are left in your church. How can you begin to form a network in your community to patronize Christian businesses Businesses that help real families mm-hmm. and real families make a living and put food on the table. Like we need as Christians to be smarter <laughs> with how we spend our money and not just be lazy about about what we're doing. So I know it's quick to get Amazon Prime, but but can we just at least like stop and think about it? Like, what am I doing? How am I spending my dollars mm-hmm. and and um, See, I feel like you be talking directly to me when you talk about don't have Amazon Prime. I'm not saying don't have it. I'm okay. just saying like, I'm just think about it. it like, makes, like, oh, like what do I Maybe have conviction? To, do I have to buy this from Amazon? Is there a business like we need like some Christian business networks and yeah. some things that we could like? Where's the app developer? Like, I'm I'm calling on the Christian entrepreneurs to be like the Gab guy, Andrew Torba, to to think about like how are we going to build. And an infrastructure that we can help ourselves so the government can be crazy, but we, we can still have our sanity. We, you know, yeah. we can do some things mm-hmm. and or come together with multiple friends. Yeah. You know, and do something. Yeah. Very good. All right. All right. So a couple of things on YouTube. Um, Zach was also saying that Gab has a browser too. It's called Descent. Oh. And I've been using that browser the last few weeks and trying it out it's pretty good um it's hard 
to download it because when you get Gab or when you get um, their browser, uh, Big Tech has made it so impossible for them because they, they won't allow them to be in the Apple store. Or they won't allow them to have all the normal things. So they have to send you this confirmation. And then it took a couple of days for it to actually come to my inbox because my email supplier was blocking mm. their confirmation email. So, but once I got everything up and running, Decenter's a, a, a great, a great browser. I've been using it, haven't noticed any major problems or glitches and it's not tracking you and it's, it's, it's a good browser. So, oh. um, Rumble, Rumble is a YouTube alternative, but I think that their servers are tied to big tech. So they could have some potential of getting canceled. But from what I understand, it's one of the only platforms left for video streaming that isn't owned by outside um, companies like outside the U.S. It's owned by um, one guy. Uh, I use DuckDuckGo for my search instead of Google. Yep, doing that. Um, So, oh, that's nice, Laura, putting our family business on there, Family 210 Clothing. In fact, you can go to, uh, Bob got a little highlight. There it is. There's our design of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pieces in our family uh, store. You can go to Teespring and type in Family 210 and browse our um, designs. And, and our family's been hit, you know, this year. Poor Bob, he's, he's he had a mobile laser tag business for many, many years. It's helped support our family and um, in the state of California, nobody's, you know, allowed to have party businesses. So it's been, it's been rough. Um, so if you want to help support our family directly, go buy some swag at the family 210 store. Okay. Number six. Pastors. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Pastors start talking to your congregation. We mentioned this earlier about yeah. civil disobedience. Yeah. Start, um, considering how you will, support or serve families if they are, you know, fired because they took a stand in civil disobedience. Yeah. Can, can I just jump in here? Go I just want to just clarify. Yeah. Because when you say the word civil disobedience, yeah. I think that could easily be just taken out of context because sure. you're not talking about burning buildings no. and stuff no. like that. Well, no. that's what many people think of when you say civil disobedience. So maybe choose a No, civil your, disobedience, your... I think, has a connotation of peaceful protest. Um, that's, that's the classical definition of it. It's like what Martin Luther King did of that would be civil disobedience or Gandhi. Um, okay. I would say maybe civil unrest, unrest is different. That would be different. That would be more like looting and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I'd say that, choosing how you use your voice, your vote and your dollar. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, you know, like, you know, like where you're going to work, mm-hmm. what you're going to do in your work. Yeah. That, that sort of thing. Yes. And then, um, Another thing that pastors can consider is how do you, and I think I just mentioned that, how do you, you know, do you, how do you stand with people who may be fired? So, you know, do you start a fund to help, you know, cover a mortgage for four to six months or while someone is looking for work or do you help to buy groceries? Like, how are we thinking about um, having all things in common and truly being the family? Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of churches have funds for people that um, are low-income people, maybe they need a little help on their rent or with food, but maybe we need to start thinking about having funds for people that when they are conscientious objectors, which is another term someone put on the mm-hmm. YouTube stream, yeah. 
that would be another term for civil disobedience is conscientious, conscientious objectors. objectors. Um, that, you know, what if somebody, if you have a public school teacher in your congregation who ends up losing their job, can the church rally around that family a little bit and help them financially during that transition? Do we need to start having funds, um, extra funds built yeah. up for for that? Almost so. every church I know of got a building fund. What if we just become content with the building that we have yeah. and start putting some of the, those resources away for something like this? And what if some of the churches might need to think about not building or getting out of debt, having yeah. their own get out of debt campaign mm-hmm. so that they have more money that they could potentially save for people as they go through hard times. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, nobody's going to like this one, but first Baptist, what if you merge with second Baptist and y'all just started to pull resources like that? You're only a block away from each other. <laughs> I'm just saying another idea under the church, um, kind of the church realm is, you know, we're getting so many letters from people talking to us about how in their public schools, their kids are being subjected to anti-racism issues. Um, you know, younger and younger conversations about transgender issues and gay issues. Well, homeschooling is an option for some families, but for some families, it's not an option mm-hmm. because they're single parent families or low income parent. There are low income families where both parents have to work. What could churches do to start co-ops Yes, and open up their doors so that homeschooling becomes a viable option for low income and single parent families. If there are parents in the church who are leaving their jobs because they're engaging in being a conscientious objector, now they're out of work. Well, what if they could partner with the church to start co-ops for low income families and single parent families and provide homeschooling for a group of people that otherwise their kids are forced to go to public at public schools. Yeah. I mean, we want to love those children, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are just some create. Again, all of this whole show today is a lot of brainstorming. We might need to create this for kids in Christian school. Because many of the Christian schools are going to fall prey, I believe. I've seen it from a few. Some of them are. And I don't know that, especially if it's a school that accepts any type of government fund, I don't know how far they'll be able to get away from it. Yeah. So, um... Caleb says uh, we're part of a homeschool co-op. It's been a huge blessing that our church will host us. That's awesome. Hopefully you guys are making some space for, um, you know, thinking about how you can get more families involved that are low income and Mm -hmm. single parent families. Now here's one that I don't think is on hardly anybody's radar right now, but I feel like it should be in a lot of churches is pastors. You know, this is all sort of under the umbrella of churches, church life pastors pastors need to start thinking about what are they going to do in their church if the equality act is passed and the equality act is something that's going to amend the civil rights and it's going to add um transgender and lgbt people as a protected class now they're already a protected class in some things Mm -hmm. but this would be like a federal at the federal level where it would go toward everything and what is going to be the impact of that for churches. And that's a big question mark right now. Yeah. And so I think that it would be good pastors, elders start thinking now, what are we going to do? What stand are we going to take 
if this starts to come knock on our door. Yes. I'm not saying it will. But if. But if it does mm-hmm. to at least, like, you don't want to get caught in like, oh, we've given this exactly zero thought. Yes. <laughs> you know? So, this just snuck up on me. Yeah. Things can't be sneaking up on us all the time, folks. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. All right. Next thing. All right. Number, Number seven. seven. Go ahead. All right. So if your church is going well, things are good. Ignore number seven. Yes. Serve, support. Yeah. Tithe. Be yeah. there. Number seven is consider whether or not you might need to change churches. Because in some cases, I think that, you know, we're seeing, we've seen some sifting mm-hmm. in 2020. Yeah. Some things coming to light and some pastors, um, I think, you know, the question is, is how much does your pastor value being liked by the culture? How much are they willing to engage in leadership and civil disobedience? Are they giving some teaching? Will they support you mm-hmm. if you lose your job? Yeah. Are they going to create a community for you if you take a stand and you lose your job? Like what kind of leadership is in your church? How will they help you navigate the times ahead? Do you feel confident that they will create that community? Or do you think that hmm, maybe we need to think now about that transition? Because changing churches, that can be a a process. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not like a, a thing you decide just like that. So especially if you have families. Yeah. So any thoughts about that? Um, I was just gonna say, you know. I think on the one hand, you can look at, you know, is is the pastor a people pleaser or, you know, are they, you know, thinking about how do we support people who may engage in, in civil disobedience or things like that. But I also say, is your is your pastor willing to, you know, have hard conversations and talk about church discipline when, you know, people participate in racism or in, um, you know, acts that go against scripture and things like that. I, I, I think that that's really important for me as I, you know, as I look at church and things like that, I'm like, hmm, I wonder how he would speak into this issue. That's good. Um, let's see. Amber's asking, do you have any teachings on how to leave a church? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, no, I don't, but that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that. Um, Shane says we are without a church home. This is on YouTube. Um, uh, our church became woke. Oh, I'm sorry, Shane. And now we just don't know how to find a new church. Yeah, it's rough. It can be very rough out there. It, yeah, it's, it, it takes a lot. And I think that many people don't want to, you know, jump right into something, not knowing if a pastor could possibly be going down this line. It, it takes a lot of vetting and conversations. Alicia says, my pastor has told us that if members feel led to leave, he'd prefer they come talk to him personally about why instead of ghosting. Boy, that's a good, that's a good word. You know, a lot of these pastors, they, they need to know what the issues are. If you just leave um, that sort of ghosting, you know, it, it sometimes it doesn't give them the proper feedback. And that could be a tough conversation, but... If they get enough of those, that kind of feedback, they might start to think, hmm, maybe I need to do some, some shifting here. Uh, oh. Caleb says church discipline for racism, we're back on YouTube, is a good point. Do y'all think there should be 
church discipline for promoting CRT in the church? I believe that CRT has the wrong premise. And if people want to participate um, in things like CRT or anti-racism, I think, I think pastors need to be very clear in, in where CRT drifts off. And to me, it drifts off from the very beginning. And so, you know, our first problem isn't things like whiteness or white supremacy or um, colonialism or anything like that. Our foundational problem is sin. And so having a true conversation and teaching from that that place. Now, if you go but, in. But go if ahead. you saw like in your church, I think what Caleb's question is, is like, what if you have a worship pastor and they start teaching these things or a Sunday school teacher? Like, do you think there should be church discipline for someone bringing it into the church? I think that the head pastor first needs to be clear. The elders, that the, yeah, yeah. The elders and the, and the pastor need to be clear that this isn't the, the route that we're going. And then if someone chooses to still do that and promote that thing, yes. But if if there's no stand for it and this, I mean, first of all, we want to assume the best. So maybe this person is, you know, believing this part about CRT and seeing how, you know, it could potentially be helpful. I think we need to, we need to have better conversations and show why the gospel is the better way first. And then, you know, laid and laid that foundation for pastoral teams so yeah. that when people decide to bring that in, the heads are are clear on, you know, what we do stand for and what we don't. CRT will never answer the problem. We have to truly understand that the gospel is the better answer. I think you have to ask a lot of questions. You don't want to just go off in a knee jerk way, way of like, oh, you're talking about racism. Therefore, it's CRT. Like you've got to ask mm-hmm. questions, be informed, be careful, um, investigate, get data. But yes, I think potentially if people are bringing errant teaching into the church, then the pastors yes. and the elders need to pull that person aside, have a conversation. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're ignorant. I say you always believe yeah. the best. You start from that place. But I think that if we were more forthright in these conversations, just like from the pulpit, hey, look, today we're going to talk about what we believe in some of these aspects. Yeah. It it would close the door on some of these, you know, thoughts about, well, he needs to come under discipline or she needs to come under discipline. No, give that person a chance to, you know, say, hey, look, we don't go this way. Yeah, that's good. Okay, number eight. I'm going to let you do number eight. Be courageous and live in truth. So let me get back to my my notes because this was, yeah, I was was excited about be courageous and live in truth. Um, In Live Not By Lies, um, Rod Dreher has a statement and it says, everybody that, let's see, everybody says that they have no choice but to conform and to accept powerlessness. But that is the lie that gives all the other lies their malign force. The ordinary man may not be able to overturn the kingdom of lies, but he can at least say that he is not going to be its loyal subject. And I I honestly think that as we 
as as we potentially will experience soft totalitarianism, you know, where are we drawing our line? Where are we saying, you know what, I'm not going to cross this line. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to be courageous. I am going to be bold in my stand. And again, that will look different for everyone. So I lead a ministry. We lead a ministry. That might not be the Lord's call on your life. Right. We go around and speak. That might not be it. Your bold stand may be telling your 12-year-old child, we don't support BLM in this home. That is a bold stand and a very hard conversation to have when, you know, for many young people, it's like, well, wait a minute, Black lives do matter. And, And you're correct. And we don't do this in our home. And so I think that boldness and taking a stand and deciding where you will stand, it starts with a conversation with the Holy Spirit first. But we we must act that out. We must choose where I'm going to draw my line at in the sand and I'm going to stand. Yeah, I think this quote, uh, Dreher's quote about accepting powerlessness, we get so many letters that say, well, I can't help it. I don't have a choice. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And it's like, you need to rethink your, your posture here. Yeah. You know, it's just that you don't like the options available. That's the part that I have the problem with. It's like, no, you always have a choice. Always. Like there, there is always going to be A or B or multiple, but there is at least A or B. And I think the enemy gets us into this, this, it's only this or this kind of mentality, but we truly do have, I think more choices than what we realize. And at times those choices will be difficult and we might be called to make the difficult choice, make it Anyway, we have people who write in all the time. It's like, I can't do this because my kid or I can't do that because I'll lose my job. And we might need to start making decisions that are hard. That may mean you're going to to truly have hard conversations and be very uncomfortable. Um, And so we're nearing. Well, we, this is number eight. So this is our last one. Um. I would say make choices that support your worldview. Don't give your money to a place that is going to indoctrinate your child into believing that because they are white, they are the oppressor, or because they're black, they are the victim. I have decided to leave Biola. I was a part, I sat in on a couple of different things. I've had several conversations with professors I ha- and I'm going to actually come out and pro- I'll either do a blog post or a video, like a live stream about my leaving Biola and the choices that I made in order to leave Biola. But what I saw, I would basically say is abusive. And I wouldn't like I cannot I can't allow myself to sit under that tutelage. Now, is Biola and, like woke in the seminary and all those things? N- No, you might have a a prof here or there. I experienced just the taste of it. But in the undergrad community, it is rampant. And I can't see allowing myself to continue to sit there as if I'm just a loyal subject, powerless to this. And so I know many of you guys have prayed for me through my time. I am going to I am intending to continue my seminary education just somewhere else. But know that you do have the opportunity to use your voice, your vote, and your dollar, and you can do so in a way that impacts people. Just because I'm at Biola, you know, I can leave. I don't have to give them my money. I don't have to accept their scholarship. You can't buy me. So 
that was my my tiny announcement at but the end. But I think end. what's important is like you could have been in a posture of I can't leave. I have a scholarship. Mm-hmm. If I go to another seminary, I won't have a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I have to stay. I don't have a choice. And you took a step of faith of saying, I'm not going to cooperate with this. I'm not going to let them kind of use my name to to say that I'm here. Because they did. Because yes. they did. Yeah. And then Monique Dusan is here at our seminary. So we're not woke. <laughs> that was literally a letter that was sent out. Um, but I will also offer this, that my choice to leave Biola is my choice. And I believe it's something that I am supposed to do in my conversations with the Lord and through prayer and in reading the word. He might have you do something completely different for your own reasons. What I will say is that we can no longer sit back and just say that we are powerless, that I have no choice. I have no choice is really not an answer anymore. That can be a hard word. And if you want to write me, go ahead. (laughs) Monique at the Center for Biblical Unity. Um, Sophia says on this is on YouTube, Bob. She says, I'm coming to learn more and more the importance of the family and households in resisting culture, largely through this show. I'm glad, Sophia. I'm glad that's coming through because that is our position. The family is the foundation structure that God designed from the creation. And if we want to change culture, it starts with families. And so if you're getting that message, great. That's awesome feedback because that means what we're saying is coming through because that is our message. We think that the foundation to rebuilding the ruins is through families and the foundation to building a Christian alternative network is through families and to start with your, your family, your church family. We're really hoping to inspire pastors to create culture in their, in their communities, partner with other like-minded churches and pastors to create cultures, create networks, to create entrepreneurs, to create ways that we can help each other. So that's awesome. People are asking if I'll talk about it in the family meeting. I may talk about it in the family meeting. I really want to make sure that what I say is is all of it because there's a lot of it. And when I say that I left Biola, like I did my undergrad at Biola. I love Biola. Um, but the the straw that broke the camel's back was was to me what I what I would call abuse. Like that's I, I feel like there's a level of of mental kind of trickery (laughs) and I just I can't subscribe to it I can't subscribe to sitting there and you know people told me hey it's not in the seminary well you know if I lived in a home and I knew that people were being abused in the next room so should I just stay because it's not happening in my room no we we don't participate like that and we can stand I will still use my voice to speak out against what I think is happening at Biola and what I've seen happen at Biola and what people in leadership have told me is happening at Biola. I just won't do it living in the house. Okay. Looking um, up on the Facebook stream on, um, on my theology mom, I think trying to Facebook is so peculiar. Um, They're wanting to know if we could share the WIA talk. Unfortunately, we can't. That is a property of WIA, but you can go purchase um, the conference for a very low purchase price. So I would encourage you to do that and share it with some friends. Get a group together, even on Zoom. <laughs> do something. 
to be positive, be part of the solution. Think about how you will be part of the solution in your own small way. Think of how you will be a stand for truth and light and community and love and grace and kindness and networking, how you can do that in your own small way. Because if we all do that and we work together, we can really help a lot of people. So, all right. Are you ready? Yes. I was trying to look through Facebook. We have a right. ton of comments on Facebook. Keep going. All right. It's all good. Do you want to look at anything? I can keep going. Yeah, you can keep going though. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, do the tweet of the week. The tweet. Haven't you missed it? Oh, it crashed. Oh, it crashed. <gasps> no. Whoopsie. The tweet. All right, maybe Bob can do the voiceover in real time. Oh. The tweet of the week. The tweet of the week. <laughs> there we go. Oh, goodness, you guys. Whoopsie. All right. All right. So, the tweet of the week this week is by Kyle J. Howard. Now, Mr. Howard is, I would call him a um, CRT-oriented pastor. He works in the realm of racial trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a lot of posts about racial trauma. I would say that I think it's a fair characterization. It, you know, he's um, pretty convinced that racism is everywhere and embedded in nearly everything. But he had a, a, a tweet this week of bringing attention to this letter. And it was a letter written to Dwight McKissick. Now, Kyle J. Howard's position, if we scroll down here. is that we should not be surprised by this letter. Um, Every Christian I know who is engaged with racial conciliation and our justice work in evangelical spaces has received letters like this with many threats as well. Mm -hmm. um, So we're going to look at this letter. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it a bit at the family meeting, but um, wanted to talk about it because we we do get some fair amount of pushback about like, People have a perception of us that we are racism deniers mm-hmm. and or we only want to protect white people or, you know, we're we're extremely gentle on this side, but extremely harsh on that side. So yeah, we all we hear a lot of stuff. So what is your take on this letter? Let's look at it a little bit. And hopefully Bob can click on it and enlarge it. There we go. Okay, so uh, I not don't gonna actually read, have the letter up anymore, but the, the, thing, the but... bottom line of the letter to me was it, it was just a, like a racist rant uh, against Dwight McKissick for choosing to leave the SBC. And the guy who wrote it, John Rutledge, um, he's, is, a, he's a former, former SBC. SBC member. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he went on a rant and he was just you know he was giving all of his thoughts and opinions about African Americans and they remain you know, some highlights include black people remain savages they defile and diminish every area of life which they parade academic political corporate judicial military athletic um, then he gives some some thoughts as to where you know McKissick could have possibly used his voice and and been helpful but he closes the letter with saying but those um, are beyond the Negro's intellectual capacity. So he he basically just like said two that, year olds. Yeah, like, they only know how to whine and throw tantrums. He basically just called all black people dumb and petty, you know. And so, um, I agree actually with Kyle J. Howard's 
stand or statement yeah. that you shouldn't be surprised. Don't be surprised that that people write things like this in 2021. Don't be surprised because we had a black president and somebody could still write this. Racism is an issue of the heart and you will find it anywhere and everywhere that you go. Like, because people, I'm not saying, hear me when I say this, I'm not saying that every person is racist. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that anywhere you go, there is the possibility to experience this sin because it's a sin of the heart. And that it's as old as time. It's as old as human history. And it will be with us until Christ comes back. It's a sin that some people deal with more than others. I think you had a conversation with somebody this week where, you know, that was a question of does everybody commit the sin of racism? Mm hmm. And, you know, your your position was no, that different people struggle with different sins. Some people might struggle with a particular sin more than another sin, but there's always that potential in us to commit a sin. So, you know, we don't want to be so prideful as to think, well, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, that is part of the the wickedness of the human heart so we're not exempt from it we shouldn't but we shouldn't be surprised from it by it yeah yeah what were your thoughts about this letter Mm -hmm. um i think it it's just to me it's wicked (laughs) it's 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 just the wickedness of the human heart really i mean i think it's horrible and i think the statements are awful and um, degrading. I think that they're just very, I was glad to see the SBC take swift denouncements against it. I mean, it's all been almost universally denounced. Um, I hope that his pastor would, if, if he's in a church, would have him sit down from leadership. If he's in leadership, I kind of doubt somebody like this is even in a, a church or under somebody's leadership, but if he is, yes, definitely. Um, I think that it's um, it, it. There were other letters by the same guy that, it, yeah. that surfaced mm-hmm. that he he seems to make a practice of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have not received any race, racist letters to to this effect. Oh heck no! Yeah, no. So I mean no, that hasn't no, been no, your your experience. Lord. So Kyle J. Howard says, well, everybody who works in racial conciliation gets these letters. Well, you haven't gotten any letters to this effect i think the i think the the retort to that if if i were sitting in my crt seat still would be that um it's because of the the lane that i'm choosing or or the the stand that i'm choosing they would say that um people are definitely probably taking more a stand against their stand for upholding more of a critical race theory stand yeah um but I, I remember y'all. I remember the time the guy called me cussing on my on my phone because we the the number on our website is a Google Voice number that actually comes to my cell phone. And when I do when I have time, I'll answer it. And if not, then people can leave a voicemail, and we'll like either I or one of our volunteers will call back. Um, but he was just like, I can't I can't say. I literally can't say what he said. Well, one thing he said is there's no such thing as biblical justice. There's just justice. 
That was one of the things he said. That was like the G-rated thing he said. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I, I remember. All, I remember. <laughs> see, I remember all the other things. And I started to, this is y'all, CFBU was about three minutes old and I was still trying to work out my holiness. Don't, don't play no games. I mean, more than what I am now. It's always a process. But, but yes, I, I could care she wanted, less. She wanted to call him right I back. I was like, oh, you using swear words? You speak in my language now. Come on, let's have a conversation. Chris was like, no, don't call him. Don't do it. I was like, why not? Why not? <laughs> you, I said, you're, yeah. a, you're a public person. You can't be yeah. doing that. And praise God I didn't because I would have just tainted all my whole witness. But um, yeah, I don't. Mm -mm, yeah, mm -mm. no, I, I think. Don't call me with that. I think that the, uh, I think Candy said it was good. She says, I think everyone has done racist act acts at some point but i wouldn't call everyone racist that's been my experience so i, I think that's yeah. fair and and i think that you know we've all we all sin you know but but to me racism speaks of a habitual unrepentant heart attitude. heart attitude state of mind that's that's really what we would be talking about mm -hmm. you know in in that sense but you know I, I i guess my other thought about people like this is i would say about you know, everyone is, is racism is something that affects every ethnicity. You were talking mm -hmm. to somebody from uh, Grenada this week. Yes. And she was talking about race issues in her home country mm -hmm. where people have similar skin color, but they yeah. still engage in partiality with each other, ethnic yeah. partiality. So, I mean, it's just part of the wickedness of the human heart. It is. And so it's something that we have to understand and we need to pray for this person. We need to, um, pray that you know that they that he comes to repentance that someone will come into his life and really preach the the real gospel and 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 the law and to to the holy spirit will work in in this man's life i mean those are my those are my general thoughts this wicked say, horrible deplorable pray for and, dwight mckissick too. yeah pray you for, know like yeah. those are evil horrible words to yeah. be spoken over someone and he's a child of god like pray for him you know, yeah. pray, pray that that wouldn't have any kind of lasting impact yeah. on his soul or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good word. So, yeah, because yeah, mm -hmm. everybody gets injured in that situation. All right. Mm -hmm. We are done. Thank you, everyone. Are there any last minute comments you want us to talk about? Uh, oh, we should talk about some of the people we have coming up. OK, let's talk about that. You got two minutes. <laughs> Why she got to be funny like that, y'all? Uh, we have Aaron Preston. Coming back next week, yes. he was uh, on with us last fall talking about, um, oh, the name just completely escapes me. Uh, it's not perspectivalism. It's um, standpoint oh, epistemology. Standpoint epistemology. Thank you. Yeah, come on through sometimes, All right. people. So talking about like this whole idea of, is there any such thing as my truth? Yeah. And, you know, um, brown people epistemology versus white people epistemology this is a good discussion was going to come back and we're going to talk about it the question is blm the extension of mlk's civil rights movement mm -hmm. so that's gonna be next week that's next week yep and then we have eric muldrow coming on the following week yes he does he's a former police officer in uh, I believe it's las vegas but i know it's in nevada um maybe it's like perump or somewhere else but yeah um, I think it's he, he is an ex 
police officer and we're going to come we're going to have a conversation about um policing policing yeah. and what what should we be taking away from the current conversation in policing right now and how can we support police officers yeah so that's going to be that conversation then we have christina caramo coming on i'm so excited about this y'all because <laughs> i first became acquainted with christina just at the last women in apologetics conference and she was talking about speaking truth and she was just like, look, if you love somebody, you need, we need to be speaking the truth. Don't just kind of hem and haw around the issue and let them be sinking down into progressive Christianity. Speak truth. And I said, yes, this is the kind of person you are. Yes, I love that. And so we invited her on and we're going to talk about speaking truth. And what does that mean? And how has culture changed this idea of truth and speaking truth? So there's that. And then I just heard back, I believe yesterday, from Ali Beth Stuckey. And she is going to now come on our podcast. I was on hers last week. Not last week. I was on hers last year. Yeah. And about four or five months ago. Yeah. Wow. And now she's going to be on ours. I can't believe it. You get the, you get the big guess. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I know some people. Here and there. Yeah, we're more, we have some more in the works. So you're going to really benefit from what we're doing. Uh, I'm excited about some things that we've got coming up. This 2021 is going to be a big year. God willing, pray for us. Pray, you know, that we can have big plans, but we know God's plans are better. And so whatever happens, you know, we are trusting in him in all things. And these are our ideas. These are things that, that you know, we feel like the Lord's leading us into. But we also know at the end of the day that God is sovereign and we kneel to his authority. Yes. In all things. Yep. So. All yes right. Yes. All right. You guys, it is. We, we. Jeremy says, glad to see Batman and Robin. Back. Hey, Jeremy. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> pack in action. Who Batman? No, that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. <laughs> all right, y'all. All right. We are out. We will see you next week. Have a blessed week. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week. <laughs>